Oh, hell, do you read me? Affirmative, Dave. I read you. What's up, everybody? You're listening to a brand new episode of the All Things Dave podcast, and I'm your host, Phantom Dark Dave. I got Neil Frazier back on the podcast, and we're going to talk about our favorite horror movie directors. What's up, Neil? How you doing, Dave? Nice to be back on again. Yeah, man, and who knew this was going to be our Thanksgiving episode? I'm totally okay with that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, coming from UK, we don't celebrate Thanksgiving, obviously, but it's a perfect time for movies, eating uh, and talking with your buds, and I mean three things that I love. So, uh, I, by, an honorary American today. So I was gonna say, so I'm an American. I live here in Texas, and since you're podcasting with me, that makes you an American today, <laughs> and you're gonna share in the festivities because one thing that I know is on both of our list is that we are both very thankful for the horror genre. Uh, yes, I, I think it's probably safe to say neither of us would be doing what we're doing without it. Uh, well, I'm possibly not even here without it, so, you know, uh, give it all its blessings. Yeah, there, I mean, who's to say we would ever cross streams at any point? I think um, in the very beginning, when you and I first talk, started talking, that was back in uh, 2019, I would say? That sounds about right. It was about uh, Night Rider. 18, 18 or 19, but but I found you via Black Cat Shadow. So, there you go. Uh, shout out to Andy and Black Cat Shadow. Um, Absolutely blast from the past uh but you you were the you were the regular co-host on that so um that's that's how i first started hearing of you and then i found you were doing your own thing and uh we started chatting about night rider wasn't it that was the the big thing so not horror related but i remember uh, i found out how cool you were when you told me that you used to have the night rider ringtone and then your heart was broken when you found out that wasn't cool <laughs> and then you met a friend like me who says no that is cool very cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I'm, I'm thinking of trying it again, but then I work for myself now, so uh, nobody's here to laugh at me. So I can do what I want now. Man, this episode has been a long time in the making because it's an idea that I've always danced around doing, but I wasn't really sure if I wanted to commit to it because I felt like out of all top five episodes, this might be the hardest one to do. And um, you and I planned this thing a little in advance, but not much. And I don't know, man, I think that works in the benefit because... If we were given too much time, our list might have changed too many times. I, mean, I when we first discussed it, I thought this was going to be easy, and then um, it's like, no, it's far, far from easy. Um, yeah, I mean, it, I, I think the longer you think about it, the, the the more difficult it gets because it's like, well, there's this whole subset of directors of films that. It's it's yeah it's it's a it's a it's a um, a deep dive into into the world of horror and actually it's quite a quite an eye opening thing because you kind of realise the scope and like the the influence that that that, that horrors had on hundreds of people and hundreds of directors so so yeah this is a, a great topic to dive into it is and if it showed me anything it was that just because 
some movies are considered your favorite horror movies, they might not come from your favorite horror directors because, as mentioned, I told Neil, I, I think I had a list of 25 originally starting out, and then we had to whittle it down. And I know that's kind of redundant on every top five conversation. We talk about how hard it is. But the most enlightening thing I found is there's so many prolific horror directors out there that have done so many things that probably have made my list because, yeah, maybe... All of their resume doesn't fall in my top 13 favorite horror films, but they're definitely one of my favorite directors because they've made – they're like synonymous with the genre. They are known as a horror person and the influence, like you said, that they've had on the culture. And I'll come out of the gate and say the only rule I gave myself – I didn't talk to you about it, but I assumed you understood it. You know, there's some people who have done all genres, but – the horror community looks at this person and goes, yeah, that's def definitely a horror director. And that's all it took for me is this person's done three horror movies or more. They're a horror director. Yeah. I mean, I also, I, 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 ones I was looking at were anybody that had done a horror film of note as in, as in something, a horror film that had influenced, um, a lot of things certainly made my list more difficult because there were there were directors like oh i love that film and i'd go and see it and he'd only done maybe two or three and you're like well, do it could i really say that that's the like mm -hmm. he you know they've done my favorite horror film but do i then sort of go well they only did two other things but i, I yeah it's a it's a i had to put my foot down on a few things but yes no i, I i've gone for people that influenced me um, and you know filmmakers and, and 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 all sorts of things like that so it's it's a more overall kind of um gift to the industry i think that i've it kind is. of been looking at yeah and i think it's going to make for a very entertaining episode because neil and i have a lot in common we love a lot of the same movies but now that we're talking directors maybe that'll spice things up a bit but as always man you're the guest on the show let's kick start it off with your honorable mention who almost makes your top five list <laughs> it's basically uh, i would love to have put him into the top five because i think he will be one of the best horror directors of all time. It, I just don't think he's quite because he hasn't influenced yet because he's still in kind of early stages, but it's, it's Jordan Peele. Um, it's a guy who was faultless, uh, beautiful cinematography, fantastic director, amazing stories. And like I've discussed before, I didn't realize that Jordan Peele was Peele from Key and Peele. I think we <laughs> talked about that. It wasn't until last year. I think the year, last year or the year before, I, it dawned on me that's like, hang on. <laughs> um, but he's done so much. I mean, what is he? Five, five films, I think he's done. Well, he's directed uh, three, but he's written at least four or five yeah so. i mean he's 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 kind of um in heavily involved in some of the some some fantastic ones but was he get out uh us and nope i mean yeah. faultless absolutely faultless films i mean but then you think you know he's written and been um heavily involved in the production of um of black clansman which is a really good candy man mm. um and they uh, um and a lot more stuff to come i mean i know in 10 years time I think he's going to have a catalogue of probably 10 outstanding horror films. And I think we're then going to see in 15 years his influence, So, which is why he's my honourable now. But he will be in somebody's top five. I love that. Yeah, I think that's a great honourable mention. I'm so glad you brought him up. Jordan Peele is fascinating and He's perfect for an honorable mention because, yes, he's only directed three horror films, but he's on his way. We got the fourth one, I think, coming out literally a year from now, and there haven't been any spoilers on that. But last time he had a movie, he put out spoilers in the um, Super Bowl, and so I'm looking forward to this year's Super Bowl. Everybody says they watch it for the commercials. Well, I watch it for the Jordan uh, Peele preview, so how about that? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's 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 done so many. You know, he's like his own marketing machine, and he does everything so meticulously, even down to the like you say, the stuff he releases. Um, it's just it's all hype. He's just so good at just not overdoing it, but just everybody talked about nope. Like, but I didn't recall much um, in the way of like the the media kind of pushing it. It just it was just hype, just around him and he, however he does it he does it so well just well the good news is for nope all they had to say was from the director of get out and us and i'm like men <laughs> you don't even have to tell me anything else except for when it comes out 
Yeah, I think for the until about two months before it was released, all they had was five uh, five stills from from. Oh, this but they is were, so cool too with everybody looking they, up. Yeah, the yes. five most amazing stills. You just like oh, I've got to see this film. Yes, what are they looking at? What yeah. is uh? What would be your favorite film from Jordan Peele if you could choose of the three that he directed? Uh, oh, that's see, that's it's hard, personally right? personally note because I have such a Sci-fi. kind of obsession obsession with aliens and ufos and stuff that that um but i mean uh, they're just all so good i mean i mean us was fantastic that was it but they're also kind of you know get out was a very different kind of film to us us was a very different film so to know right. but, but yet still fundamentally to like Jordan Peele. trend yeah. the same water you know it's, yeah, it's fascinating. So I'm hoping next year, being Christmas time, that's going to be a Christmas horror movie. But I'm trying not to get my hopes up. Uh, I would love to see that. Yeah, if nothing else, we'll have Terrifier three, right? But cool. All right, man. I'm gonna tell you about my honorable mention. He is the definitive Hammer horror director, Terrence Fisher. And so people know me for loving classic horror, and I absolutely love the Universal Monsters. But I might love the Hammer Horror versions more. Now, they never did any Hammer Horror stuff of Creature from the Black Lagoon. That would be way too fascinating. But uh, Terrence Fisher gave us movies like Curse of Frankenstein, uh, Frankenstein Created Woman, Revenge of Frankenstein, Frankenstein Must Be Destroyed, Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell. All awesome movies. Love Peter Cushing. But he also did uh, Horror of Dracula. You know, love Christopher Lee. He did The Mummy. Love Christopher Lee. The Gorgon, where they came together. He did Phantom of the Opera, which I thought was a much better version than the one that had Claude Rains. Nothing against Claude Rains. But um, I could not talk about a top five horror director list without bringing up the director of one of my favorite werewolf movies, The Curse of the Werewolf, Oliver Reed. And I had a hard time choosing between a couple of guys. I knew I wanted to get some international love on here. And after putting much thought into it, it, it wasn't as hard, but... I really like Freddie Francis and Terrence Fisher, but just because of the amount of films that Terrence Fisher has done and Curse of the Werewolf, I got to give it to him. But yeah, my honorable mention almost makes my top five is just because these other five names are even more synonymous with horror than Terrence Fisher, but I feel like more people need to know about him. And it's cool when I say Hammer Horror because a lot of people in the horror community know what that is, but if they look into it, they realize like, oh, I may have some of these movies on the shelf. I just didn't know who directed it, so... Yeah, I mean, he, he was pretty much, he was the driving force behind um, the British Hammer Horror scene. So, um, Don't think absolutely. I did that for you now. For me. <laughs> well, I always promised you if you ever came over, we'd, uh, I'd take you to the Drax's Castle. But, um, but I, I, I've moved countries now, so it's a bit, of a, a bit more of a trip. Oh, that's down, your fault. You still have to take me if I come over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's only down, down to London and out a bit, so it's not too difficult. But um, yeah, I mean, he, he the ability he had with his sort of gothic storytelling and, and, and kind of yeah, the, the visuals were always fantastic. It was, it was a great setup of a setter up of a shot, uh, director, uh, narratives were always great. So, I mean, um, yeah, absolutely agree. Um, the way that he, he was able to direct Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing though, was amazing because a lot of these movies that we love feature horror icons or what we now consider horror icons and just to think that somebody had to direct these people who clearly already know what the hell they're doing but to really just make the icing on the cake feature for some of these films because yeah i understand that some of these aren't amazing horror movies or whatever they're amazing to me and that's why they make the list but there is nothing like seeing the hammer horror version of movies that you thought you already knew like the british twist that they took with these movies is fascinating and gives me all kinds of love uh back to 60s it's just so good yeah i mean he 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 nearly made it into he was in my he was in my backup list so he was i i I talking about him as well so i'm with you on that all right man well let's dive into the list what do you got for number five i am going to go with a guy who hasn't got a massive portfolio of work but has a portfolio of work that it's just it also includes one of my favorite horror films of all time which is the house of the devil so it's uh ty west um i mean he 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 did a lot of we quite like we talked about it before but we we, we like an anthology type film we like a um you know so he started he did vhs the abc's of death um he did segments in there but but 
the house of the devil is one of my all-time favorite films just but he's got that ability to sort of i don't know it's kind of it's a very different way of doing horror than what is around elsewhere at the minute it's not a straight slasher you've got things like pearl and x uh maxine which is coming out next year i believe which is the third of the the pearl type series um they're just very different kind of ways of telling horror that are just fabulous i mean like house of the devil is a very slow burning film yet it's just meticulous and i mean well first time i saw it i actually thought it was a 1978 film yeah um i I was gobsmacked when i found out it was (laughs) 2009 so i gotta thank um, you for that man because i i've known of ty west because i know he did the roost and he had some early films on but i had not seen house of the devil until we did our underrated horror movie chat back in the day you told me about the movie that caused me to check out the trailer and then i just kind of put it on the back burner and then when i told andy like hey let's start going in depth on some movie reviews that was the first movie i chose because it blew me away when i saw it and it's amazing how much he did capture the satanic panic of the 70s yeah i mean interspersed that with just some of the more updated visuals in terms of of, of blood and gore and 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 prosthetics and just all around fabulous. I mean, The Innkeepers is a, is a is a great film as well. Oh, so, yeah, um, Cabin Fever two, maybe not quite so um, so culturally um, kind of. Um, um, well, you know, I'll go against popular demand. I actually like Cabin yeah. Fever two, even though I know Ty West tried to take his name off of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, for what it is. You know, that was the same year as House of the Devil as well. So he was you busy. Know. I get it. <laughs> But you can't say, dude, X right now is so relevant with people who are into horror today. Like, whether they grew up with Texas Chainsaw Massacre or not, this was kind of their 70s slasher, and X is an awesome movie. So I commend you on your number five. I love Ty West also. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's just a very, you know, it's not a huge body of work, but it's, it's very kind of meticulous, and like what he's done is just phenomenal. So He knows uh, how to again, make an enjoyable film. And he, well, he he knows, yeah. He also knows his his audience, and 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 he knows his genre. So he's like, I'm just going to do this. Whereas you know, like we just spoke, Jordan Peele was kind of trying all these things. Ty West is, nah, nah, this this is name. how I do it. Yeah, yeah, uh, and he does it very very well. Cool man, good number five. Let me tell you about my number five. My number five is the first of two musicians writers and directors that are going to make my list and it's rob zombie i do it yeah i mean come on man i grew up listening to white zombie and then rob zombie when i did hellbilly deluxe rob started off directing music videos he grew up loving classic horror and so he's kind of an embodiment of a lot of things that i like and he, like Ty West, gave us a lot of enjoyable films. You know, you got The House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, Three from Hell. But he also did a Halloween remake, which, take it or leave it, was a very bold thing to do. Uh, 31 and Lords of Salem. Like, I will go on record and say I like all of these movies, some more than others, but I do like all of them and watch them all in rotation. Rob Zombie, man, he he's very unique because I, when you read about him... It's like, wait, this guy's a vegan? In his movies, like, he talks about slaughtering the hog and does all this violence against animals, you know, has in Michael Myers beating dogs and all these things here. Um, he and his wife live this chill life, you know, and but then he goes on tour and he rocks it out and he's bringing things on stage that are, you know, glorifying horror of the 1930s. And I'm just like, man, so much of this I would do. The only thing I wouldn't do is probably the hair, and that's just because, you know, I got to... A decent beard but when i sleep at night sometimes i consider shaving it off because i'm like man i'd like to feel the coldness of my pillow i couldn't mid- uh, imagine having long dreads but anyway my number five rob zombie i, I mean I, I i don't um disagree with you at all on that i mean uh, also uh, again style wise stylistically i love the way he so for like house of a thousand corpses you know the the little um sort of breaks between scenes there was that kind of almost music video-esque yeah. uh, i mean i saw him talking about them and it was like yeah we literally just made <laughs> music video inserts just just him and sherry moon in the house just just would make these like inserts to insert. yeah yeah um 
I mean, I, I, it's a shame. I mean, personally, I felt he peaked too early. With if you if you come out hit swinging with House of a Thousand Corpses, it's very difficult to keep. Which I think is probably why he divides um, a lot of the audience now because that's your base level. House of a Thousand Corpses, and it's like, where do you go from there? Like, that's phenomenal. Well, film. I know a lot of people will say Devil's Rejects is better than House of a Thousand Corpses. So it's two different I, I, kinds of movies, but it's a great storytelling. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I again don't disagree. So um, my only issue would be, I mean, I did try and watch the Halloween remake. Uh, what was it? A couple of weeks ago, I was like, "Oh, I haven't seen that for ages. I'll watch it." Yeah, I got so irritated with the amount of screaming in it, I had to just turn it off. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, I'm. A, it's, that's nothing to do with the film. That's just my age now. I'm just grouchy. So like, so like I shut them kids up. That was that's pretty no. much what I'm like now. I'll, I'll piggyback off that you said being grouchy. Now I know Rob Zombie as a horror movie director, which is why he's on this list. But at one point, he was slated to direct a couple of non-horror films, and I was really excited about that. And I'm not talking about the monsters. I don't put that in the horror movie category. It's just a family fun movie. But uh, he was going to do a picture on Groucho Marx, and I love the Marx Brothers. It's called Raised Eyebrows, based on that book. And um, I don't think that's ever going to see the light of the day. But I was very much looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that the. the he's kind of he's he is taken a lot more seriously now um as a film director than he was five ten years ago so it's you know it, i long may it continue and i look forward to seeing his next project so um hey, we'll see uh, what it is. cool man what do you got for number four uh, again this was one that was always going to appear on my list but, uh, I, partly because I just I, I I love the socks off this guy, and he's also been involved. If he if he didn't direct, he has created just just a back catalogue of stories and IPs um, that is just going to go on forever. Um, and that's and that's uh, James Wan. Okay. Um, I mean, you can you know he he was born in. Um, in Malaysia, so he's um, he's already. I mean, Malaysian horror film. Um, if you if you if you're into that kind of genre, sort of from that part of Asia, some fantastic horror films come out of there. Um, obviously, moved to Australia, um, but then when he made, he dropped onto my radar in 2004. Uh, first, well, I think it was the second DVD I ever bought was Saw. Um, and since then, I mean, he's been obviously worked on Dead Silence, directed Dead Silence, but he he has basically invented the Insidious universe, the Conjuring universe, the Nun, Malignant, uh, plus all the Saw films. I mean, that's just directing. I mean, if you want to go into stuff that he's either written or been you know executive producer on, um, again, all the spin-offs of the Annabelle, um, that the Insidious lights out. Um, just, just an insane. He, he has. He's, he's been. He's working on the Salem's Lot reboot as well, which I love. Salem's Lot and the fact that James Wan's involved instantly makes it, you know, high up there. Megan from a couple of years ago, last year, Megan came out. Fantastic film. Um, they got a sequel coming out to that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he was, he was also mooted to be behind a, a new Knight Rider reboot to bring things around for a 360. Wow. Um, but I believe that's on the back burner at the minute. Um, I think he's he's waiting to see how Aquaman goes down. Um, there's been some issues, I'm sure, um, around the new Aquaman film. So I, it's, um, he's taken a break from directing, so don't expect to see him directing for a little while. Um, um my well, sources I have think told with me with everything going on from the second Aquaman. It sounded like kind of a chore for any director, but you know, he's a lot like Rob Zombie in that they make great horror films, but I'm totally interested to see other things they do. And I know he did like furious seven and obviously he did the other Aquaman. And so James Wan has proven, like you said, yes, he can produce and do everything, but damn, he can direct. Yeah. I mean, you just, you just, if, if you took out the conjuring insidious, 
um, you know, Dead Silence and Saw to get rid of them. Imagine a world where those franchises didn't exist. It's a kind of horror would be Neil. That's not a world I want to be in. <laughs> you just, but but the, but the, you look at kind of horror now. It wouldn't be anywhere near where it is because he brought. There was a lull for quite a while, um, especially of bigger budget, you know, Hollywood style horror films, and he's kind of single handedly reinvented and got the interest back into these types of films, allowing filmmakers younger filmmakers and new filmmakers to get budgets to make you know if you say oh I'm, you know I'm, I'm it's it's along the lines of a conjuring or an insidious you've you've got interest and it, it's his legacy is is it goes far beyond well yeah um, and he just joined a blumhouse right there's a partnership there yeah yeah he's 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 doing a, a lot more writing and kind of behind the scenes stuff and producing um so i mean yeah he's um it's kind of cool because that means he made it to a point in his life where now he can just direct passion projects. Exactly. I mean, you look, Malignant couldn't have been made without him being who he is. Like, sure. imagine pitching that. That, that that's not going to fly. But James <laughs> Wan comes in. James Wan comes in. He goes, "I've got an idea for a film." Yes, sir. And yes, sir. Let's do it. Yes, sir. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I, I, I'm, I'm disappointed with the um, how that film got received by a lot of people because it was phenomenal like yeah, um, that movie's a total throwback to some grindhouse ish 70s films for sure i mean the, 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 that's what he said it, it basically was a love letter to that type of film that you just can't get made and it's like i actually have the power now and and the and the and the sort of the the, the platform who can tell go, you no when you produce it <laughs> exactly it's like no i'm making this like um, and I'm, I'm very grateful that he did. It's Makes you phenomenal. wonder when he had the original idea because some of these directors come to the scene and some of them start off taking anything they can get to get their foot in the door. Maybe it's a paycheck depending on the kind of film it is, whatever the case. But you always got to wonder, like they had that idea growing up or in college. or what, and Like we know Saul was his um, – you know, film project in school. It was like an eight-minute concept, and it turned into what we know today as this massive franchise. It, it wasn't intended to be that, but that is what it be, become. It took on its life of its own. But it makes you wonder if he saw certain movies. I won't name them. I'll tell you off the air because I don't want to spoil the twist for Malignant because it's fantastic. But there's a movie that comes to mind, and I, I'm like, I wonder if he liked this movie growing up, and if this isn't, you know, a similarity there. But yeah, I mean, it, it just I love the guy. So cool. Well, let me tell you about my number four because I know we both love this guy. He is the second musician, writer, director on my list. I know people would assume he'd be a lot higher up, but it is what it is. My number four is John Carpenter. There's not a lot I can say that people don't know about John Carpenter because he's been around for a long time. But, dude, he gave us Michael Myers and the greatest horror remake of all time, The Thing. I... There's so many things he's done, and I actually thought you were going to say this for your number four when you mentioned, like, even if he's not directing, so many things are going to live on him. Then you said his IP, and I was like, okay, it's not John Carpenter. But had you have said, you know, his just music work alone, I'd have been like, oh, crap, we got the same number four. But my number four is the legendary director, John Carpenter. Yeah, I mean, again, it's, it's I mean, there's, there's a reason he's called the master of horror. <laughs> and um, it, when you think culturally what he like you say what he's given us the, the the soundtracks he's given us the you know the fact that he was involved in you know literally that halloween theme it's just him like late night didn't know what to do yep. and 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 just i imagine quite a lot of whiskey had probably gone down him um but you know i heard it just, was budweiser was it budweiser okay. <laughs> Um, he couldn't afford the whiskey till after the movie was made. No, no. But I mean, I, I, you know, you think the Halloween had Halloween not been there, what wouldn't have followed? Again, this is one of those. There's so the, the horror genre. There's such a knock-on effect of things that wouldn't have happened had this not happened. So obviously, without Black Christmas, we wouldn't have had Halloween. Halloween without Halloween, we wouldn't have had things like Scream. We wouldn't have had you know. The, you, you you can go down this hole rabbit hole of, of, Absolutely. of stuff and that's been influenced me having john carpenter at number four is really the example of what i meant in the beginning of this podcast is like john carpenter is known for his work in horror he's done he's 
If you listen to my top five John Carpenter episode I did with Andy, I also love his sci-fi work. But the fact that he's done Halloween and The Thing, those are two of my favorite horror films of all time. But then you move on to other movies like The Fog, Ghost to Mars. They're movies I like, but they don't fall in my absolute favorite, favorite list. Mm -hmm. And so because of that rule, I found myself finding other directors that I love more of their work. But maybe individual movies definitely don't compare to what is Halloween and The Thing. But I feel very comfortable with John Carpenter making my number four because at least people can't say, you didn't mention John Carpenter. Yes, (laughs) yes, I did. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, again, I mean, you look at his catalog of of, of – directing i mean dark star for i mean that's a great way to start yes any kind of career but you know halloween and then following that up two years later with the fog escape from new york the thing christine on precinct 13th exactly they, they so, live um yeah. just in just crazy like and you know um, i also i i want to highlight his work in uh the masters of uh horror series the yes. franchise for showtime that was he did pro-life and he did Cigarette Burns, and those are two really, really good ones, especially Cigarette Burns. That one is really scary. Yes. Well, I, I, I remember, remember that movie, just that episode we were going to do at the time about Masters of Horror. Um, Man, you're bringing me back. <laughs> yeah, that was that was three, at least three years ago. That's two, three houses ago for me. So that's that's pretty COVID, my dude. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, he, he, like you say, he, he's, he's involved, like James Wan, like – if he's not directing, if, if John Carpenter has attachment to it, you've got yourself something. If he's interested, then you've got yourself a, a great project. That's it. All right, man. We're in top three category. What do you got for number three? John Carpenter. <laughs> okay. um, Keep the conversation going. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Um, so, I mean, it's, again, like, he, you know, I'm sure a lot of people would automatically have him as number one just because he's John Carpenter. As they should, yes. I just, I, I mean, my top three is so difficult to, to kind of, I could have put them in any order, like the top three. I mean, um, but I think you just John Carpenter when you, when you just think kind of like if you if you had like the hits like the best of, that's such a great catalog he's got of that best of album is is fun. I mean, almost any one of his films i could just put on a watch like if it's on I'll Christine, stop and watch it. great rewatch value no exactly i mean even if you if you if you go outside big trouble in little china for example i mean like, <laughs> right not like, a horror movie but a damn fun movie yeah exactly um uh, memoirs of invisible man as well he did um Chevy Chase, vampire, yeah. <laughs> vampires um, you know, you can Mars, say what you can... want about vampires. That <laughs> is a bloody ass movie. It's a good yeah. time. James I, Woods kills it in that movie. Yes, I mean, I, I watched it a couple of months ago, actually. But I mean, I'm still fond of Ghost of Mars. I mean, I, I know yes. that 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 gets that gets laughed at a lot, but I enjoy Ghost of you Mars. Know, I the proudly... thing about Ghost of Mars, Neil, I'm wondering. We know Ghost of Mars being poorly reviewed as when it came out. I wonder what people say today who see it for the first time because it's a very fun movie and it's Ghost of Mars has one of the most kick-ass instrumental rock and roll soundtracks I've ever heard. It's balls to the wall the whole time. Oh it, yeah, um, I mean it, the sets were, were very, very, very <laughs> low budget, but you know I'm, I'm not gonna. That's not on him. Nobody can compare it to anything. We don't know what Mars looks like. No, exactly. Only Randy does. Um, yeah but it's um like i say he, i could just watch any film or anything that's associated with john carpenter like you know it's going to be a, a quality piece of work are you so. looking forward to his next project he's associated with a tv show that's coming out or a series of some kind i see i i um I, yeah, whatever it is it might be like a Peacock exclusive or something that's NBC oh, Channel 5. There's something coming yes, out where so, uh, yeah, I was yeah, getting yeah. a Stranger Things vibe by the poster, but I've not seen a teaser of any kind. I, You know what? I, I, um, I did see something about it on Instagram, I think. Because um, it's, it's him. It's happening. Yeah, it's him and so, oh, God, my, my memory's terrible at the minute, but, but he's doing it with some other people, isn't he? And um, Yeah. I, I, I Always. Whatever it is, I'll, I'll watch. <laughs> He's like, sign me up. All right, Neil, you want to hear about my number three? Do it. William Castle. 
Uh, birth name, William Schloss, which is German for the word castle, but my goodness, man, he is the OG, right? William Castle, when it comes to entertainment, his movies are fun, spooky, and he is truly the master of theater gimmicks, right? He got his love for the genre when he saw Dracula, the play, when he was 13 years old. It actually had Bela Lugosi in it, and he grew up to give us all these great, great movies, and shout out to anybody else who loves and knows William Castle, because you've probably seen a lot of movies that were remade of his, but... I want to put the spotlight on him because all of his originals are fantastic, and I want to tell us about the gimmicks that he did. So, you want to talk about, you know, we talked about some other directors earlier who were really great at marketing, you know, Jordan Peele and everything. Nobody can hold a candle to William Castle. So, he did the original House on Haunted Hill, right, which had Vincent Price. In the theater, he strung up a skeleton that had red lit eyes, and it flew through the theater on a wire to parallel any scene where the skeleton was in the movie. Okay, genius. He did the original 13 Ghost. He filmed it in what was called Illusion O, which we would call 3D, but what's really cool about it is everybody was equipped with a viewer that would allow you to either choose to see or not see the ghost, depending on which colored lens you look through. Okay, genius. The Tingler. Okay, Vincent Price again. Well... Some of the seats in the theater were rigged with vibrating motors that would tingle your spine during certain scary scenes. And that's a fantastic movie. Just add in the vibrating seats. That's awesome. Not sexual, though it could be. Homicidal, probably one of my favorite movies he did that I don't know a lot of people know about. But uh, Homicidal, he offered what was called a fright break, where right before the climax of the film, he gave the audience a 45-second heads up that something scary was happening and they could choose to leave before it got too scary. And if you chose to leave, they would shine a yellow spotlight on you, and it would follow you as you walked out into the lobby where they had a coward's corner, which I think is genius. And he did Macabre, which was probably one of his earlier horror films after he had did a lot of westerns and kind of made a name for himself. I think Macabre's will put him on the map because he gave every customer a certificate for a $1,000 life insurance policy should someone die from fright. And... um he did Straight Jacket with Joan Crawford, which is a phenomenal movie. If no one's ever seen it, twist ending, don't have it ruined for you. But he printed out, you know, they printed out cardboard axes and handed them out to everybody. And I'm like, that is fucking awesome. I kind of wish I had a cardboard axe. No, not from Minecraft, but from Straight Jacket. And uh, a fun fact that some people may not know is he was also the producer of Rosemary's Baby. So what do you think of my number three, William Castle? I, I can honestly see why... I didn't know I didn't know all that stuff about the the old marketing, but he, he th- he's got some phenomenal work. I mean, you, I mean, you did an episode on the Tinglet, yes. Um, um, but I mean, th- the original Thirteen Ghosts is phenomenal and yes. still thoroughly enjoyable. House on Haunted Hill still holds up really well, and as much as I kind of enjoyed the series, the the, the remake of it, this is still you know there's something about that old black and white kind of the way things were overhammed and the acting and then you know you got you throw vincent price into anything and you can it's have a good time good. so yep. <laughs> yeah and you know the original house of haunted hill is pretty scary like the imagery they do still makes a pretty horrifying movie 13 ghosts i urge people if you've only seen the matthew lillard 2000 2001 version fantastic great remake but the original is very different and so you definitely have to see that. I mean, there's no glass house in the original, right? They didn't have that kind of effects budget. But The Tingler might be the hammiest of all films, and uh, it also might be one of the greatest films. And so, yeah, he, again, there's some big ones. You know, we had, what, one, two, three, four, five, six movies that I mentioned that are all great. And I feel like a lot of people haven't seen Homicidal. And that one, I mean, when I think of William Castle... He's right up there with Alfred Hitchcock, and I won't say too much about Alfred Hitchcock right now, but William Castle had it figured out and early, and he had to been one of the most marketable and profitable directors of his time. So that's my number three. Yeah, I mean, as, as a connoisseur of, of, of the sort of 1950s through late 60s films, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely not surprised that this made it into your top, into <laughs> your top three. Um, I, I got to sh- you know, shout out to all my um, 60-year-old listeners out there. Well, I mean, I'm as much as like I grew up um, with this 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 kind of the VHSs of these types of films. I mean, I just never really delved into it quite as to the lengths you did. Um, but even I know of five of his films, so 
you know, for somebody that, that, that hasn't spent that that long kind of um, going back and watching films from the 50s and 60s, and I know five of them. So, yep. you know, you've got to be doing something right if even I know about them. So That's right, man. And I think there was that production company called Dark Castle that was doing a lot of the remakes. And so when a company takes part name because they're wanting to remake your films, you've made it. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's um, that's not uh, you know that's a compliment. That's right. All right, dude. What do you got for number two? Don't say William Castle. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with somebody that revolutionised horror not once but twice, um, and that's the late Wes Craven. Um, I mean, I th- you know I've spoken before about one of the first ever films that I watched was Nightmare on Elm Street. We've done episodes on Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, he is just like a phenomenon, I think. I mean, the, the fact that he kind of fronted not only the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, but uh, Scream, um, plus everything, you know, everything else he's done, Hills of Eyes, um, Swamp Thing back in the 80s, um, Shocker. Um, just a, a phenomenal filmmaker. That, that I mean, it's also the way his films are structured. So you've got he tends to explore themes. So you kind of got the nature of dreams and reality. He, he, that's kind of like a theme that runs through a lot of some of them, like Elm Street, for example. But you've got sort of the breakdown of family structures in there, the humor that comes with it, sort of family trauma. Um, the sort Sort of you know the hills of eyes has got that sort of abusive family kind of uh, dynamic and he, he kind of Mutants. blurs the back <laughs> exactly kind of sort of blurs the lines between sort of reality and 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 sort of um the dream world which you know <laughs> fits in perfectly considering what he's most famous for but um again you, you kind of just look at the legacy that he's left behind that that he's just you know, even when he did sort of um, the 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 Nightmare on Elm Street, new, the New Nightmare, same kind of theme, but yet kind of managed to make it even more of a kind of mindfuck of sort of reality and dream because not only is it real, but it's in a film and it, it's just well, just my fantastic. Dude, it was meta before Scream. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, again, you can go into Scream. I mean, like if you you know the the, the the fact that Scream has all those references to existing horror films as well, um, you know, the, all the references in there to, to, to other, other horror films. So, you've again, it's that meta kind of world that he builds in his films that just makes it feel, even though it's outlandish and, like, insane, still is grounded in reality. So, right. Just, well, I'm glad you brought him up because Wes Craven was the one of the ones that hurt the most to not have on my list because I also really like Wes Craven. Obviously, you more. But, um, you know, we recently did a Top 5 Freddy Cougar Kills episode, and so we did some Wes Craven love there. Andy and I reviewed the original Nightmare on Elm Street recently, and who doesn't know and love Wes Craven? Whether you grew up with Scream or you grew up with... Um, Last House on the Left or in between with Nightmare on Elm Street, there's a legacy of love there, and he always managed to... It's so weird because he did these horror movies, but then he did some rom-coms, and he, you know, then he went into production and stuff, and so like a lot of these people on our list today, his name was tied in with different kinds of genres, but it always comes back to what we know and love, and it's probably Freddy Krueger or Ghostface. Like, those are the two that stand out the most, but uh, phenomenal pick, man, so... Like yeah, well, I mean, uh, you know, you, you think like People Under the Stairs as well, which um, <laughs> Roach, which, yes. which they, to tie this back into what we've been talking about, uh, Jordan Peele is um, in talks to remake it. Sign me up. Um, I mean, which of again, course he does. It's about, the. It, there was like a, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. It just clicked right away. Like there was a green light in my head. Like, yes, Jordan Peele can do this. This makes complete sense to me. Yeah, I mean, this would also again, this this would tie back into Jordan Peele's. <laughs> Jordan Peele's. Uh, I get rid of Wes Craven. Jordan Peele coming at number at number three. Um, but but basically, <laughs> this, this again is Jordan Peele doing what Jordan Peele does. He's gone from doing these. We were just talking about the different types of sort of genre he makes within horror. He's now going to do a remake, and I would love to see a Jordan Peele remake of a classic film because 
you know there's going to be some Jordan Pillness into something that's already fantastic. Film, Jordan so. Pillness, that's going to be a new phrase you watch it. Neil <laughs> said it first. But yeah, dude, I mean, look at what he did with the, was it 2021 Candyman? I don't know if it was 2021, 2022, but recent, the new the Candyman, like, okay, it's a requel. No spoiler, they kind of reveal that. But he didn't direct it, but he wrote it. And you can tell he wrote it because there's Jordan Peele love throughout that script. And Jordan Peele has always had cultural relevance like he's able to take something that might seem i think the term you said earlier was outlandish something that is kind of eh, do i believe that and he he puts it in a real world setting and he makes you believe it and so yes you already said wes craven but more jordan peele love <laughs> now it's um it's a shame though they just didn't work together imagine imagine a film directed by jordan peele and produced by wes craven that would be something else wouldn't it depends who wrote it <laughs> yes, <true. laughs> cool well let me tell you about my number two because i guarantee he's not on your list by a previous conversation we had had but my number two is the greatest italian horror director of all time it's dario agento love 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 italian horror love giallo films and love dario agento also did masters of horror stuff but you know his murder mysteries, man, are what gets me. They're the best. And I'm actually not going to get too much into spoiler territory, but I'm going to use this as an opportunity to segue a future episode because in December, I am doing Dario December, and I'm bringing Renee on, and we're going to do our top five Dario Agento films. So, Neil, I'm giving you a <laughs> one-month heads up to study your Dario Agento if you don't want things ruined for you. But, my gosh... Anybody who uh, who knows horror knows Dario for at least one word, and that is Suspiria. Yeah, or demons. In, 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 oh, in, uh, yes, demons, great. <laughs> Anytime you can uh, film a seen, movie in a horror have, theater, let's yeah. go. I mean, uh, like I've said, we spoke before, and I'm just not a massive, you know, um, Dario Argento fan, and I've seen demons and demons too. Um, so I can't, you know. I, but he didn't even direct those. I, no, but he, he wrote, uh, didn't he write and produce them? So, yeah. Um, yeah so, it's okay. He just I, does all this know, Italian stuff. I just, well, <laughs> and here's the reality a lot of people who know me in my personal life know how much I love Dario Gento. And so they're either going to be really shocked or they're going to just immediately know my number one. Like, who could beat Dario Gento? For Dave, that is the question. And um, if anything else, it's just to put the name out there so that way if you're into horror but maybe you don't watch a lot of international horror, do yourself a favor. Check out Dario Gento. You might be pleasantly surprised with what you find. But, Neil, that sets us up for our number one, our favorite horror director. Lay it on me. Who, who's your number one? This is a man who's he's he's gone across movies. He's done TV series um he's done tv movies he's he's a, a guy who has influenced so much across horror and that is the creator of the texas chainsaw massacre toby hooper awesome. um the, the 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 man is just, just you consider it you know how you know you've seen the documentaries on making a texas chainsaw massacre and just how much of a just ball ache it was to make how he did that and then decided this is just a start i'm gonna i'm gonna make <laughs> i i would have you know some of the stuff i heard from from the stories about the making of texas chainsaw massacre i, I don't know how he carried on but he went on to do the fun house Pol he was uh poltergeist life force invaders from mars um went back again to do texas chainsaw massacre 2 but yeah. you know um, Night Terrors, The Mangler, Crocodile. Like, oh, so good. Just, Love Crocodile. But then you go into the TV. He did the Salem's Lot TV miniseries. He um, did episodes of, of Freddy's Nightmares. He did episodes of Tales from the Crypt. He did the Dark Skies, which I was obsessed with in the 90s. He did uh, episodes of Taken, which I was another fantastic. Uh, Night Visions, he, the others. I mean... Body Bags, uh, the TV film um, with Uncle. John Carpenter. Yeah. Um, just, and I mean, that's just me skipping through a few. I mean, the guy, his storytelling is just superb. Like, um, and I, he's left like his mark on horror genre forever. 
with with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, if that's where you start, like we spoke about with um, Rob Zombie. I mean, you start at this level, but he just carried on. He's just like, if you like that, you're going to love this. <laughs> you like that, you're going to love this. Um, I mean, he's basically also put it this way. Um, he has influenced the filmmakers that are known uh, and openly kind of um, include him as their influence are Hideo Nakata, Wes Craven, Rob Zombie, um, you know, Ridley Scott as well. He said that, that, that a lot of the work on Alien was was influenced by Texas Chainsaw Massacre than by any other film. So, you know, that which if you if you kind of split, if you watch Alien that would make sense the kind of the noise and the 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 the, the, the effect that sound plays in mm-hmm. in 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 film and silence and, and you know just I just... would also say Dark Star had a lot of influence too. Uh, <laughs> that more so yeah more more directly than 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 this but um Can I ask you a question? Uh, yeah. Is Toby Hooper your second favorite Texan behind me? Oh yeah, yeah yeah okay. yeah. Okay. No, 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 no. I, I mean, didn't make oh. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but when you put a Texan at number one, I get kind of jealous. <laughs> Arlington for life, man. Um, there you go. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there was, I mean, the, the, I mean, everybody says that Steven Spielberg did Poltergeist. No, everybody forgets it was Toby Hooper. Right. Toby Hooper made Poltergeist. Steven Spielberg was a producer. If that, Toby Hooper was the man behind Poltergeist. Well. I've done a top five Toby Hooper list before, so people know that I have some Toby Hooper love. He's not my number one, but I'm really happy you brought him up because then he wouldn't have been in this fun conversation. But yeah, Toby Hooper is a legend, or was a legend, RIP. You know, the stuff that he did, you know, 1974, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like, what were they doing in the 70s? Like, there's some Grindhouse stuff, but we hadn't seen anything like this, not in America anyway. And it's a horror film that takes place in broad daylight and manages to be mm-hmm. terrifying and gave us, whoa, whoa. you know, it's it's Ed Gein brought to life, you know? Yeah. I mean, normally well, you don't want also, that, but when you see it, you definitely do. Well, also, we were talking about John Carpenter and his music. Toby Hooper did all the music for Texas Chainsaw Massacre, so all that sound. <laughs> wah, <laughs> music, wah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the, the two strings that he plays mm-hmm. um, all came from from Toby Hooper. So, you know, I'm, I'm, the man's the, the man's just just phenomenal. Yeah, and I mean, please don't leave out Texas Chainsaw Two. I know you mentioned it, but for any, I mean, Texas Chainsaw One and Two are two different types of horror movies. Like you have the '70s Texas Chainsaw, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two is definitely the '80s. And if you love '80s horror movies, then you probably are going to really like Texas Chainsaw Two. You got Caroline Williams. I mean, it's a phenomenal movie. It's an interesting way to piggyback off of the first one, but it made sense because had he have not done something so different, he might have been put in the position of just trying to do the same thing again. And you can't say that about Part Two. No, no, no. They, I mean. Just again, just n- nowhere near as as kind of popular as, as the first one, but uh, absolutely, people need to watch it. It's just you know, again, fantastic. What would be your favorite Toby Hooper movie? Putting you on the spot. Oh god, it that's tricky. Um, I. See again, I wouldn't say it was a movie, but but the the the, the, the Salem's Lot miniseries has oh, been yeah. is I love a miniseries. Uh, and <laughs> Salem's Lot miniseries from the seventy nine was yeah. just oh it was so good. It is so good. It's very scary. Stephen King's story brought to life only as Toby Hooper can do. Cool. That's a that's a good one. If people want to know my favorite, listen to the episode. But I will tell you about my favorite uh, horror director. You ready for this? Do it. One could say he's my favorite horror movie director because he's number one on my list. I'm talking <laughs> James Wan, my dude. He's coming back. So, well, I I I I'm, well, I'm very pleased to hear that. But but secondly, if I put him at number one, I was worried that 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 it would just look like because. 
you know I love the man. So I know uh, that's it, why I thought we'd have the same number one. <laughs> but when I, you... I, I I couldn't purely because it would look like oh, it's just because it's James Wan. That's the only reason he's putting it number one. <laughs> just because well, he says hello, just because he says hello to me every now and again. It, uh, you know, I can't just because you know one. him as James, yeah, J- Mr. J, yeah. you know, Mr. Um, yeah, Mr. W, yeah. But you said it best earlier, dude. And and hopefully this doesn't um, spoil some things. Yes, there's a lot of horror directors that should have been on this list that couldn't be, but. You, when you said take out Saul, Dead Silence, Insidious, Conjuring, Malignant, and tell us what's left of the horror world today, some of these are the longest going and most money making and influential horror franchises we have. And if I'm being honest, I love all of the stuff he's done, but could you imagine? I mean, he had an eight minute short film with Lee Winnell that went on to be this uh, 10 installment franchise. But if I'm being honest, I absolutely love the Conjuring franchise and that he brought Ed and Lorraine Warren into the limelight because I may have not ever known who they were if it wasn't for these movies and the perfect casting of Patrick and Vierga. I mean, just my goodness, I love it. And you said, you know, like he's this perfect director, but if you look at he's got massive producer credits and now he can do whatever he wants. And it's funny, he there's four... No, there's five Insidious movies. He directed the first two. Lee Winnell directed the third one. I forgot the guy's name who directed the fourth one, The Last Key, sorry. But man, I'll tell you what, the fifth one is actually my favorite. And no, he didn't direct it, but it surprised me because I didn't think anything would beat the first and second ones. But the fifth one, The Red Door, became my favorite of the Insidious franchise solely because of the father and son connection. It is so phenomenal. I have the poster on my back wall Um, because I'm a father, and so the connection with my son is just, it hit me in the heart. I was like, man, I get this. But, dude, James Wan, I think, has had the ability to give us films with so many original ideas, but yet pay tribute to the classics that we grew up with, and he is modern horror at its best. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that kind of, he's like the the day walker between sort of uh us that grew up with 80s horror and modern um and modern day horror he's kind of the go-between he's like something that we can we can both uh, you know both sides can go i love this guy <laughs> like plus he, he he just seems like such a nice guy with it like he's always got time for people he always you know like schmucks like me that, that that he's taken time out of his day to to, to comment on the artwork i've done and, and you just just like you you're far too high up the chain to be taking time out your day to to mention talk to me like but he does it and i i i'd still kind of blows my mind whenever that has does happen um well, you know i'll tell you what now that you know who my favorite horror director is you will understand why you got so much high praise from me on that James <laughs> Wan poster that you made because it was literally a combination of some of the greatest horror films that I have ever been a part of. If anybody is listening to this episode for the first time because you like horror, welcome All Things Day Podcast. Neil's a frequent guest on here. He makes posters. We're going to do some plugs in a minute. But he did a James Wan poster that kind of shows a little bit of everything that James Wan has been involved with, and it is incredible. He he sent me a very nice message after that as well. Um, Did and he, he say he, something like, "This doesn't suck." <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> uh, he said his his dream is to have uh, an actual photograph of him with all his creations around him. And I'm like, man, if you can do that, I want that signed. Like, like that's 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 life goals. If if you ever do that, please get me a signed one because that's that's like. I'd if love you get to see a signed that. one. Get me a signed one. I'm just saying. <laughs> but again, to come full circle again, uh, he is um, ex- he's producing the um, next re- uh, the is in post production uh, Salem's Lot. Yep, he's I, uh, involved in that. So I'm interested, and in I can imagine how much you are now that you know Toby Hooper's your number one. You love Salem's Lot, knowing that James Wan, one of your other favorite directors, that's the collaboration you're finally going to get that you didn't know you <laughs> needed, and it's going to be interesting to see because I mean. They had a sequel to that, The Return to Salem's Lot, that I think Larry Cohen did, and I never watched it, and I really, really want to, but I can't help but say that James Wan's version might end up being the definitive version, but we'll see. We'll, we'll let time tell. 
Well, I mean, you, you just look at look at what he's because he's a very very good writer as well. I mean, like he he's he's written, you know, he wrote the Aquaman, Malignant. He wrote the Nun, uh, Insidious, Dead Silent, Saw, obviously. But if you look at the, the if you take out what he's take out the stuff he's directed as a writer and or a producer or executive producer he's worked on the rest of the Saw franchise Annabelle Demonic Insidious Lights Out uh, Annabelle Creation Jigsaw Insidious The Nun Curse of the Llorona Mortal Kombat Spiral Conjuring Devil Maybe Do It uh, Someone Inside Your House Megan uh, Insidious The Red Door Nun 2 Saw X Night Swim obviously then we got Salem's Lot and Mortal Kombat 2 coming up plus TV stuff you, you just yeah um and he's only he's only he's younger than me i think i think he's 44 45 i think he's about my age he's living he's, the the career we will wish we had man oh uh, yeah i mean i'm not jealous at all i'm you know <laughs> seeing it <laughs> sitting here eating reduced beans and uh, reduced price beans and he's uh, he's married to a to a she's like a she like a romanian model stroke actress and uh you know live the live live your life james well, i'm just saying the, the guy has grew up loving horror it shows in all his films and i envy that in a very like non-psycho sense because i think he's doing it right i love what he does for horror uh modern horror he helps combine fans of the 80s through kids that are graduating high school right now because all these kids are going to see these particular movies in theater and you can bet your ass that you know i do too and so whenever we get you know conjuring for last rites and i don't think he's directing it i wish he was but just knowing if he's involved i'm gonna love it like everything that he breathes on just seems to have some sort of new fascinating thing that fits in the horror universe and i absolutely love it but that's our top five horror directors man let's switch gears a little bit let's talk about you promote you you know you make horror posters you frequently come on this podcast whenever you can tell us a little bit about your stuff well i am a poster and key artist um and i've worked on about 70 productions now i think we're up to um always available for hire obviously um uh i run neil fraser graphics so um i've worked on a fair amount of uh, films and tv shows um also have an online store uh if this is going out over this weekend then i have a black friday sale going on on my store uh, as we speak so if you go up to neil fraser graphics um Shopify store or just go to newfacegraphics.com and you can click on the link that will go to my store. Uh, I'm doing 30% discount on all artwork across my store. Um, I've also allowed my brother in his store to sell a few t-shirts or some of my artwork on. Um, I don't know how good they're going to be, but <laughs> I've got no control <laughs> over them if I've allowed him to use them. Um, but uh, yes, I mean, I, I, um, a fair amount of work going on. Um, I've worked with um, um, Josh Rubin. Um, I've worked with obviously Shepard and um, the host guys. I've worked with Yellow Card. Um, so I've done music as well, um, musical artwork as well, um, um, amongst many other things. Uh, as always, a lot of stuff I can't talk about because of these dastardly NDAs. Um, <laughs> but uh, a lot of exciting things coming out. Um, um, and hopefully some um, some bigger collabs to come. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I'm, um, you can catch me at uh, Neil Fraser 78 on X, uh, Neil Fraser Graphics on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, threads, and um, I'm on that blue sky thing as well. Um, uh, yeah, so hit me up if you've got any anything going on, uh, any of your projects. Um, always happy to have a discussion. Awesome, and if you know inter international listeners, if you're over where I guess it would be national for you if you live where Neil lives, but. 2024 is just around the corner. I know Neil's working hard to make a lot of convention appearances, so get some of your artwork signed. If you have a t-shirt that turns out good, get your t-shirt signed. But if nothing else, I mean, keep your eyes open. Neil and I have been buds for a while. He did the reversible cover for Host. It's fantastic. He has a very famous 
um, art design for Scream. You've probably seen it. You just didn't know he was the one behind it. Um, and if you stole it, screw you. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you'll hear him on this podcast doing lots of stuff. So, Neil, love having you on here, man. Thanks for uh, celebrating Thanksgiving with me. And thanks for taking the time to tell me about some of your favorite horror directors. No problem, man. Thanks for having me on. And uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody out in the U.S. Top five horror movie directors with Neil Frazier. What'd you guys think? I know I said it in the beginning of the episode, but happy Thanksgiving and thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode, whether it's today or Black Friday or on your weekend travels or if you're catching this later. I appreciate the download and the listen and I'm just very, very thankful and I'm glad that Neil had the time to come on here and do this episode because it was a lot of fun and hopefully you guys had just as much fun listening to it. There were so many directors that I wanted to talk about that didn't get to, you know, get brought to the table. And I also didn't want to have a two hour episode because I could have easily had a top 10. I know Neil could have too, but there you go. You know, you heard about our favorites. And um, I think we represented the horror community with a lot of love. And so I'll let that be that. I'll keep this short and sweet. You guys have a wonderful day. And thank you for listening to the All Things Dave podcast. Mm-hmm.